Chapter 16, verses 14 through 21. Of Catina Aria, Gospel of St. Luke, Part 2, by St. Thomas Aquinas. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Verses 14 through 18. And the Pharisees also, who were covetous, heard all these things, and they derided him. And he said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time the kingdom of God is preached, and every man presseth into it. And it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than one tittle of the law to fail. Whoever putteth away his wife and marrieth another committeth adultery. And whosoever marrieth her that is put away from her husband committeth adultery. Bede. Christ had told the Pharisees not to boast of their own righteousness, but to receive penitent sinners, and to redeem their sins by almsgiving. But they derided the preacher of mercy, humility, and frugality. As it is said, and the Pharisees also, who were covetous, heard these things and derided him. It may be for two reasons, either because he commanded what was not sufficiently profitable, or cast blame upon their past superfluous actions. Theophylact, but the Lord detecting in them a hidden malice proves that they made a pretense of righteousness. Therefore it is added, and he said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men. Bede, they justify themselves before men who despise sinners as in a weak and hopeless condition, but fancy themselves to be perfect and not to need the remedy of almsgiving. But how justly the depth of deadly pride is to be condemned. He sees who enlighten the hidden places of darkness. Hence it follows, but God knoweth your hearts. Theophylact, and therefore ye are an abomination to him because of your arrogance, and love of seeking after the praise of men. As he adds, for that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Bede, now the Pharisees derided our Savior, disputing against covetousness, as if he taught things contrary to the law and the prophets, in which many very rich men are said to have pleased God. But Moses himself promised that the people whom he ruled, if they followed the law, should abound in all earthly goods. These the Lord answers by showing that between the law and the gospel, as in these promises, so also in the commands, there is not the slightest difference. Hence he adds, the law and the prophets were until John. Ambrose, not that the law failed, but that the preaching of the gospel began, for that which is inferior seems to be completed when a better succeeds. Chrysostom, he hereby disposes them readily to believe on him, because if, as far as John's time, all things were complete, I am he who am to come, for the prophets had not ceased unless I had come, but you will say, how were the prophets until John, since there have been many more prophets in the New than the Old Testament? But he spoke of those prophets who foretold Christ's coming. Eusebius. Now the ancient prophets knew the preaching of the kingdom of heaven, but none of them had expressly announced it to the Jewish people, because the Jews, having a childish understanding, were unequal to the preaching of what is infinite. But John first openly preached that the kingdom of heaven was at hand, 
as well as also the remission of sins by the laver of regeneration. Hence it follows, since that time the kingdom of heaven is preached, and every one presseth into it. Ambrose, for the law delivered many things according to nature, as being more indulgent to our natural desires, that it might call us to the pursuit of righteousness. Christ breaks through nature as cutting off even our natural pleasures. But therefore we keep under nature, that it should not sink us down to earthly things, but raise us to heavenly. Eusebius, a great struggle befalls men in their ascent to heaven, for that men clothed with mortal flesh should be able to subdue pleasure and every unlawful appetite, desiring to imitate the life of angels, must be compassed with violence. But who, that looking upon those who labor earnestly in the service of God, and almost put to death their flesh, will not in reality confess that they do violence to the kingdom of heaven? Augustine, they also do violence to the kingdom of heaven, in that they not only despise all temporal things, but also the tongues of those who desire their doing so. This the evangelist added, when he said that Jesus was derided, when he spoke of despising earthly riches. Bede. But lest they should suppose that in his words the law and the prophets were until John, he preached the destruction of the law or the prophets. He obviates such a notion, saying, And it is easier for heaven and earth to pass than one tittle of the law should fail. For it is written, The fashion of this world passeth away. But of the law, not even the very extreme point of one letter, that is, not even the least things are destitute of spiritual sacraments. And yet the law and the prophets were until John, because that could always be prophesied as about to come, which by the preaching of John it was clear had come. But that which he spoke beforehand concerning the perpetual inviolability of the law, he confirms by one testimony taken therefrom for the sake of example saying, Whosoever putteth away his wife, and marrieth another, committeth adultery, and whosoever marrieth her, that is put away from her husband, committeth adultery, that from this one instance they should learn that he came not to destroy, but to fulfill the commands of the law. Theophylact. For that, to the imperfect, the law spoke imperfectly, is plain from what he says to the hard hearts of the Jews. If a man hate his wife, let him put her away. Because, since they were murderers and rejoiced in blood, they had no pity even upon those who were united to them, so that they slew their sons and daughters for devils. But now there is need of a more perfect doctrine. Wherefore I say, that if a man puts away his wife, having no excuse of fornication, he commits adultery, and he who marrieth another commits adultery. Ambrose. But we must first speak, I think, of the law of marriage, that we may afterwards discuss the forbidding of divorce. Some think that all marriage is sanctioned by God, because it is written, Whom God hath joined, let not man put asunder. How then does the apostle say, If the unbelieving depart, let him depart? Herein he shows that the marriage of all is not from God, for neither by God's approval are Christians joined with Gentiles. Do not then put away thy wife, lest thou deny God to be the author of thy union. For if others, much more oughtest thou to bear with, and correct the behavior of thy wife. 
and if she is sent away pregnant with children, it is a hard thing to shut out the parent and keep the pledge, so as to add to the parent's disgrace the loss also of filial affection. Harder still, if, because of the mother, thou drivest away the children also. Wouldst thou suffer in thy lifetime thy children to be under a stepfather, or when the mother was alive to be under a stepmother? How dangerous to expose to error the tender age of a young wife! How wicked to desert in old age, one the flower of whose growth thou hast blighted! Suppose that being divorced she does not marry. This also ought to be displeasing to you, to whom, though an adulterer, she keeps her troth. Suppose she marries, her necessity is thy crime, and that which thou supposest marriage is adultery. But to understand it morally, having just before set forth that the kingdom of God is preached, and said that one tittle could not fall from the law, he added, Whosoever putteth away his wife, etc. Christ is the husband, whomsoever then God has brought to his son, let not persecution sever, nor lust entice, nor philosophy spoil, nor heretics taint, nor Jew seduce. Adulterers are all such as desire to corrupt truth, faith, and wisdom. Verses 19 through 21. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen, and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. Bede, our Lord had just before advised the making friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, which the Pharisees derided. He next confirms by examples what he had set before them, saying, There was a certain rich man, etc. Chrysostom, There was not is, because he had pressed away as a fleeting shadow. Ambrose, but not all poverty is holy, nor all riches criminal. But as luxury disgraces riches, so does holiness commend poverty. It follows, and he was clothed in purple and fine linen. Bede, purple the color of the royal robe, as obtained from seashells, which are scraped with a knife. Bissus is a kind of white and a very fine linen. Gregory, now if the wearing of fine and precious robes were not a fault, the word of God would never have so carefully expressed this. For no one seeks costly garments except for vainglory, that he may seem more honorable than others. For no one wishes to be clothed with such, where he cannot be seen by others. Chrysostom, ashes, dust, and earth, he covered with purple and silk, or ashes, dust, and earth bore upon them silk and purple. As his garments were, so was also his food. Therefore, with us also, as our food is, such let our clothing be. Hence it follows, and he fared sumptuously every day. Gregory, and here we must narrowly watch ourselves, seeing that banquets can scarcely be celebrated blamelessly, for almost always luxury accompanies feasting, and when the body is swallowed up in the delight of refreshing itself, the heart relaxes to empty joys. It follows, and there was a certain beggar named Lazarus. Ambrose, this seems rather a narrative than a parable, since the name is also expressed. 
Chrysostom. But a parable is that in which an example is given. While the names are omitted, Lazarus is interpreted one who was assisted, for he was poor and the Lord helped him. Cyril, or else this discourse concerning the rich man and Lazarus was written after a manner of a comparison in a parable to declare that they who abound in earthly riches, unless they will relieve the necessities of the poor, shall meet with a heavy condemnation. But the tradition of the Jews relates that there was at that time in Jerusalem a certain Lazarus who was afflicted with extreme poverty and sickness, whom our Lord remembering introduces him into the example for the sake of adding greater point to his words. Gregory, we must observe also that among the heathen the names of poor men are more likely to be known than of the rich. Now our Lord mentions the name of the poor, but not the name of the rich, because God knows and approves the humble, but not the proud. But that the poor man might be more approved, poverty and sickness were at the same time consuming him as it follows, who was laid at his gate full of sores. Pseudo Chrysostom. He lay at his gate for this reason, that the rich might not say, I never saw him, no one told me, for he saw him both going out and returning. The poor is full of sores, and so he might set forth in his own body the cruelty of the rich. Thou seest the death of thy body lying before thy gate, and thou pitiest not. If thou regardest not the commands of God, at least have compassion on thy own estate, and fear lest also thou become such as he. But sickness has some comfort if it receives help. How great, then, was the punishment in that body, in which with such wounds he remembered not the pain of his sores, but only his hunger, for it follows, desiring to be fed with the crumbs, etc. As if he said, what thou throwest away from thy table, afford for alms, make thy losses gain. Ambrose, but the insolence and pride of the wealthy is manifested afterwards by the clearest tokens, for it follows, and no one give to him, for so unmindful are they of the condition of mankind, that as if placed above nature, they derive from the wretchedness of the poor an incitement to their own pleasure. They laugh at the destitute, they mock the needy, and rob those whom they ought to pity. Augustine, for the covetousness of the rich is insatiable. It neither fears God nor regards man, bears not a father, keeps not its fealty to a friend, oppresses the widow, attacks the property of a ward. Gregory, moreover the poor man saw the rich as he went forth surrounded by flatterers, while he himself lay in sickness and want, visited by no one, for that no one came to visit him, the dog's witness, who fearlessly licked his sores, for it follows, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. Pseudochrysostom, those sores which no man deigned to wash and dress, the beasts tenderly lick. Gregory, by one thing Almighty God displayed two judgments, he permitted Lazarus to lie before the rich man's gate, both that the rich man might increase the vengeance of his condemnation, and the poor man by his trials enhance his reward. The one saw daily him on whom he should show mercy, the other that for which he might be approved. 
End of chapter 16, verses 14 through 21.